Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 23rd of August. This is your host, Justin Brown, and I'm joined by my wonderful producer, Kara Slay, and my two co-hosts, Colton Gibson and Kobe Jackson. We got an exciting show for you today this morning, talking Texas State soccer, Texas State volleyball, Sam Marcus football, and much more. But before we get to any of that, let's start to Colton for a read from our sponsors. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you very much, Colton. Sounded wonderful. But let's just get right into the show, and let's talk about Aww. Texas State soccer. Yes, Kobe. Texas State <laughs> soccer is currently 2-0. That's a great start for Steve Holman's budge. And last game they had was a 5-1 win over Central Arkansas on Sunday. Next game for them is going to be against UNT, the Mean Green, and that's going to be tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. But, guys, I want to hear your thoughts on this team. Five scores in one game is a good outing this team seems very offensive you know if you look at this performance so far seven different bobcats have found their way into the back of the net so far and the only multi-score goal for this team so far the only player with multiple goals is zoe jr who did amazing last season so guys i want to hear your thoughts about this team and how can they get to the expectations of last year yeah you mentioned you know five goals in the one match seven different bobcats have found the back of the net so far uh with zoe jr leading the way with two you know it it seems like this team is honestly a little more balanced than they were last year, which I think is going to, you know, come in handy in the long run. There's a lot of players that, you know, do a lot of things well. Um, it seemed like last year they kind of, you know, relied on some of their top talent sometimes. So, you know, getting to the point where you have seven different people that are capable, you know, of putting the ball in the net, that's going to come in handy whenever you're facing, you know, the competition starts to ramp up a little bit. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Colton. And just looking at, you know, the past two games that the Bobcats have played have been absolutely exceptional. Only, you know, leading or having their opponents only score one goal out of the two games that they played so far. So, I mean, honestly, it's been a really, really good accomplishment for Steve Holman and this Bobcat roster. But looking on the other side of North Texas, I mean, they have held their opponents to no goals this season and they're only their two games that they played. Uh, it, it was against U, uh, UNLV and then uh, Nor uh, Northwestern State. Both of them were final score was three to nothing so no goals have been prevented uh by the opposing team so i mean so far it's been it's been a really good uh these two teams are, are going to be really really uh competitive i believe in this ball game and you know we'll kind of see where the bobcats do handle against north texas Yes, I mean, this team, you know, looking at their last year's stats, if you look at their last season, 2022, it was a good season for this team. And you got to look at the individual leaders. They ended this season 12-5-2. and two. And if you look at the offensive leaders last year, you have to look at Matty Goss and Zoe Jr. They led this team with, you know, over 19 goals was Matty Goss and Zoe Jr. She had 18 of her own. And so these two players really can lead this team this year. And it's going to be an exciting bunch to see. As I mentioned earlier, they're going to be heading to Denton, Texas. I'm pretty sure that's where UNT is. And they're going to be playing there tomorrow night uh, at 7.30 p.m. So it's actually, no, it's here. It's going, to it's going to be here at the Bobcat Soccer Complex. So you have no excuse to not go see those Texas State <laughs> Bobcat soccer players face off against the UNT Mean and Green. 
All right, but let's transition to another team, a team that had an amazing exhibition game against a team that is a rival here at Texas State, an I-35 rival, and that's the Texas State Bobcat volleyball team as they faced off at an exhibition game on last Saturday against UTSA, and they won that game in five sets, a 3-2 to two win over UTSA. Now, this was an exhibition game. This does not count on the regular season, but was this an exciting matchup to watch? You know, this team is very different. Emily DeWalt's out the door. Janelle Fitzgerald's not here no more. It's a new bunch for Sean Hewitt, and we got to see a lot of good things. I want to see what y'all saw, because one thing I saw, K.J. Johnson. Yeah, I mean, she is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I was able to catch uh, the first uh, four sets before before I had to leave and I'm not gonna lie I was really I was really nervous because I didn't know how the last set was gonna go but I mean this volleyball team honestly is really picking up where they left off last season uh, last season even though it's an expi- even though it's an exhibition game obviously you know it's not gonna count towards the record but I mean it's almost like it's setting the tone for what this season could be but I do know I did notice a lot of things a uh, lot of fundamental errors. I know there's a lot of lack of communication, especially with, between uh, the second set and the third set for the Bobcats. So I think, you know, Sean Hewitt needs to just improve on that or just tell them, like, you know, we got to get better communicating so we can set up our positions. But, I mean, other than that, it was a really exceptional performance by the Bobcats. And, you know, they got their uh, their first first game in Tennessee coming up. Yeah, I'm sure nothing feels better than starting off. Even, you know, it's not an official game, but, you know, starting off your season with a win over your rival, the rival, you know, the I-35 rivalry, it's it's a big deal around here. So, you know, going out and, and getting a win against UTSA has got to be really good for the confidence, especially with the way that they won it, you know, being down 2-0 at, at one point. And, and you know, in the, in the third set, I right here it says they were down 12-4 at the beginning of the third set. So, Resiliency is definitely something that this team is showing already and plenty of different people have already started to step up to try to fill those gaps like Ryan Torres 45 assists Mm -hmm. you know we were talking before that's like similar numbers that Emily DeWalt put up so the biggest thing we talked about you know going into the season was these different people were going to have to step up and kind of find their role and how they can you know support this team and make a difference and one game in they're doing that yeah absolutely yeah and Kobe you said that communication was not there but luckily communication can be fixed in volleyball Mm -hmm. um it is also like a fast rally game so like you get that kill like you're on almost a streak which you can either lead with that streak or you can if you're down you can come back so I think that they're doing great and they're off to a great start um again setting off the tone for the rest of the season which is honestly very hopeful for the Bobcats Yes, I mean, it's going to be a very hopeful season for the Bobcats, and a lot of new players got to make face. You know, we saw Samantha once. She led the Bobcats in kills with 21 of her own. She's a freshman, and, you know, she's from Austin, Texas, a red shirt freshman. She's six foot four, though, way taller than me. I'm a five foot eight short king. But, you know, (laughs) she got 21 kills at that net, and probably because of her height. And you talk about Ryan Torres. Not only is she leading in assists, but she's leading in digs in this game as well with 18 digs of her own. I mean, that is very familiar. I mean, it's very similar to Emily DeWalt's it could be someone it could be very similar we could see a player just like Emily DeWalt but another player to talk about 
is KJ Johnson. She's a yeah, member of she's absolutely. she there's a team of 17 players on this team and seven of them are newcomers. But, you know, she is an All-American and this she's even made a final four appearance. So, I mean, this is she's a graduate student, you know, playing and she's done great things. She's a native from Pearland, Texas, and she's done a lot of good things. Kobe, you have thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was going to, you know, you brought up the fact that, you know, a lot of new players on this, you know, Bobcat roster, most of them are pretty new, are pretty new to uh, to. Oh, I should say upcoming uh, from their season uh, last year. So obviously they have that experience now, the, the leadership role that, you know, Janelle Vichdero and all those other girls that had uh, that they had last year. So obviously I think that's an improvement in itself if you're, you know, Coach Sean Hewitt. And obviously, you know, the I, leadership is a big deal, especially no matter what sport you play. And honestly, you know, I think there's steps that needs to be ta- steps that need to be taken, but can easily be, you know, can easily be, fo- be followed by the new leadership. Yeah, after the game, Coach Hewitt, you know, was saying that UTSA, you know, put a lot of pressure on them throughout the game, and it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, the the best volleyball that they can play. And, you know, of course we know that. Um, but I think it, it can be good to, you know, get that pressure from your first opponent and kind of, you know, see how this, this team's going to work. And, you know, it was a scrimmage, so the lineups, you know, might not even have even been, been this, set, like, yeah. been set. You know, yeah. it could have been a lot of rotations, and I'm sure there was, get everybody some playing time. But, you know, to get this good match and, you know, come back from 2-0, you know, put together this really good game, it's it's a good sign early mm-hmm. on. It's a very good sign early on. And the Bobcats, their next games will be at the Tennessee Classic, and that's going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. They're going to be facing off on Friday at 9 a.m. against the Marist College in Knoxville, Tennessee. And then they have another game at 5.30 p.m. later that evening, and they will be facing off against Tennessee a huge school, you know, one of the bigger name schools, and we love to see the Bobcats face off against them. And then they have another game on Saturday against UT Martin, and that's in Knoxville, Tennessee, the last game of their Tennessee Classic. But don't worry, the Bobcats will be coming home on August 31st through the 2nd of September as they play the Texas State Invitational, where we'll see the Bobcats face off against UNT and U of H, which is going to be a fun one. I don't know about y'all, but that's going to be a nice matchup. Mm -hmm. But, you know, don't touch that dial. Stick around for a while. We got more Bobcat Radio on after this. We're going to talk about some San Marcos High School football and some national topics. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to Studio C here in Trinity on this humid San Marcos day because it got some rain yesterday. That's some good news, but... Some more good news is that San Marcos High School football is about to start up in less than a few days. Friday night, the Rattlers are going to be traveling to Hutto Hippos to play against them. And this game, it's going to be interesting to see how they start off the season. Their team is losing a lot of the players from last year, but they're also going through a bit of a scandal, a bit of baggage this year with their season. They are in a UIL playoff ban, and this happened last year. They got announced, and so this season, it's going to be they're going to be banned from the playoffs, and next season as well. I want to hear your thoughts on this team. How does this affect a season, and how does this affect a player's mindset and a team's morale overall? And then also, how is Coach Walsh going to deal with all these players, you know, getting away from the team they're graduated they're out it's a huge difference you know running backs are gone a lot of players are gone I want to hear y'all's thoughts you know I'm hoping you know it's a it's a big deal to, to not be able to make the playoffs for this season or next season uh, I'm hoping though you know we talked about it when this whole you know scandal kind of got announced but I hope it's kind of removed from the players a little bit I I obviously it's on their mind they they know what's going on they know you know what the stakes are but this is like an issue that is with the coaches and with, you know, with the recruiting or whatever they did and with the district and UIL, it has nothing to do with the team. And I just hope that it doesn't really get in the way 
of them, you know, trying to put the best product of football out of it out there. Looking at the first game with Hutto, you know, this is also the team they opened up their season against last year with a 46 to 21 loss. So, you know, obviously they're hoping to, you know, put together a little bit more of a complete game than that um, so they can get a little bit better start to their season. Uh, but like I said, I, I just hope it's kind of removed from the players and, you know, they're really able to focus on the game and their season coming up. Yeah, you make a you know great point about the UIL ban because officially it started during the se- or officially it was announced during the season last year. So obviously they still had a chance to make the playoffs and possibly had a, a state championship run. But, you know, with the new implement, you know, rule of the UIL of them being suspended. So even if the Bop, so basically in other terms, if the Rattlers basically have a winning record and a winning season, they will not have a playoff game to play. So I know they had one against Brandeis last year. This year they won't. So that's going to be you know, obviously the new new wave uh, for the Rattlers. But just going off of, you know, their roster, I mean, everybody's pretty much gone for the most part as far as the team, the players that we had last year or that the Rattlers had last year with Isaiah DeLeon and, and Jaden Brown and Ke- uh, Cutter, Ga- uh, Cutter Gage Webb and stuff, which is he is now at, you know, Texas State pursuing baseball. So, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of players who were on the, st- the, the roster last season are, you know, coming up. And obviously, like I talked about uh, earlier in the show, leadership is going to be a big factor, especially for the, those who are seniors now and uh you know we're looking it's going to be a it's going to be a tough tough season but you know if we want to i guess we kind of go ahead and preview huddle a little bit if you don't remember last year's game when san marcus opened up against them penalties was their big big issue because they had like they had like 10 like 10 penalties in the first half alone and i when we were just kind of stunned because you know it was mostly holding or just unnecessary you know just unnecessary penalties that the rattlers could not afford and you know i hope you know coach Walsh looks back at that and you know realizes that we got to be more control and more uh more sustainable when it comes to you know limiting penalties so but you know it's it's a new year the new time Yes, Kobe. I mean, I have exact memory of what you're talking about. I remember I was producing one of those games and they gave up almost 120 yards on penalties. And if you don't know anything about football, the field is 100 yards long. So, I mean, well, how many yards is it long? 120. Okay. Including the end zones. Including the end zones. Okay. I wasn't counting the end (laughs) zones, but, you know, I'm saying that's a lot of yardage to give away. And that's a whole touchdown if you're doing the math, 120 yards. Pretty much. That is end zone to end zone. So, you know, that discipline is going to be important for Coach Walsh to teach these players. And as you mentioned with leadership, it's definitely going to be a part of that. So you're going to have to see who is going to step up. We have some seniors on this team, some freshmen as well, a lot of different, you know, age groups. So this team is going to be very interesting. We talk about their season last year ending at four and seven that is below 500 not a season they're really that proud of so it's going to see how they can start it off again starting away i would say personally i'm not an athlete i've never been on a football field but i don't think i'd really prefer to start it away i feel like that'd be more of a struggle especially but i don't know if that plays a factor at all do you think playing away or home for the first season of the game i mean first game of the season really matters honestly as a as a a former as a former high school athlete honestly it doesn't matter as long as you get on the field and you and you play your tails off, that's all that matters. But there is a saying, first game is always a tough one. It always is, because it will set the tone for the type of season that you'll have. So, I mean, it's it, I, go either, I go either way. I don't care if it's away or home. That's yeah. just me. I feel like high school is not, it's not the same as like a college home game or a pro home game. Yeah. The, there's two sides, the parents, fans, students, whatever, sit on either side. Obviously... You know, whenever some of those games where they have to go, you know, a little down south a couple hours, maybe their side won't be as full of fans. But in, in a game that, you know, Hutto is only like an hour away. So, you know, the the fans will probably travel and 
it, it shouldn't be that big of an issue. Yeah, the fans and the family are most likely going to travel to that one. And that game, I believe, is starting at 8 p.m. for KTSW. We're going to have that one on air. Don't you worry. We have Kobe Jackson on the call and, and Paxton Graff on the call as well. So it's going to be nice. We have Karis Lay right here in yep. the studio. She's going to be the producer for that one. So it's going to be an exciting game. We have Thomas Terry reporting for that one as well. Colton Gibson, stats. what are you going to yeah, be doing? Go. I'm taking stats. He's taking all those yeah. statistics. So when you hear the stats from that game <laughs> and the next BCR, you got to thank Colton Gibson. Maybe, maybe they'll let me on at halftime or something. They will. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, usually, yeah. we usually do. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's going to be a really fun game. So if you want to go support the San Marcos High School Rattler football team, go out to Hutto and support them. Or if you can't go there, listen to it live on KTSW 89.9, the pregame show for that one is going to be starting around 745, 750 most 750, likely. Yeah, roughly. Yes, and you can hear about the previous season and hear Kobe and Paxson and you know analyze the game before going into it. But now we're going to zoom out a bit from the Hayes County area and talk about some national topics. You know, there's a lot going on right now, especially in the MLB as the season is wrapping up very soon. A few more months left until October. I mean, it's what, two, how many weeks? I don't even know, eight, less than eight Uh, weeks. It's like 40 games. And the most interesting part of the entire MLB right now is the AL West. And I'm going to have to give it to Mr. Gibson in studio himself to talk about what is happening right now in the AL West at the top. So we talked about this on, sorry, I'm loud. I talked about this on Monday, um, and it was a little bit more spread out. The Rangers were in first, the Astros were two and a half behind, and the Mariners were three behind. Mm-hmm. Since then, the Rangers have lost three more straight. They're lost six oh. in a row now. Um, the Astros are two two in a row against the Red Sox, and the Mariners have beat the White Sox two games in a row. So now the top three there's the Rangers, the Astros are half a game behind them, and then the Mariners are half a game behind the Astros. So all three teams within one game is pretty crazy. Um, obviously, still a lot of a lot of games to be played, especially head-to-head. Uh, the Astros and the Rangers play in, in a couple weeks, and then the Mariners close their season out with, I believe, six games against the Rangers and three games against the Astros. So it's going to be a fun division, um, definitely the most competitive division. Um, but I, I hope the Astros win tonight. Like I, I said earlier, I've been not wearing my Astros stuff because every time I bring it up when they're close, they end up losing. So I'm not wearing any Astros stuff right now, and I'm just going to act like it's a normal day in the office. And, you know, the Rangers don't play tonight, though. So if the Astros win, they will be in first place for the first time this season. Why did you have to say that? Because I'm wearing Astros gear right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, he's wearing a head-to-toe Astros gear. Even the shoes are orange. <laughs> yeah, but they don't have the logo on it. But anyway, um, I mean, this is a very tight division. And really, it's been been like this really all season. And honestly, like I, I talked about this on, on Monday's BCR, is that I feel like this season is going to come down to Game 163. And for those who don't know what Game 163 is, it is basically a tie-break basically tiebreaker for who wins uh, uh who wins the division and usually it goes re- mostly towards who has you know closer records or who has the same record that's usually where it goes to and that's what game 163 usually is but i mean just baseball this baseball season has just been unbelievable i know people tell you know tell me that baseball is boring no baseball is absolutely a fun fun game especially you know if you are rooting for your local team or if you're rooting for your team out of state if they're doing well i mean baseball is a fun game and but we are getting closer and closer to postseason so this is when this is about the time where everybody's starting to really look at okay who's going to be you know the top dog in the playoffs who's going to be who has the number one record right now and you know it's it's going to be fun 
Yeah. And I would also like to say that, um, bef- like during preseason when it was first starting, um, the MLB posted their predictions and I know that Astros and the Padres were supposed to be in the World Series. Padres. And if we look at the Padres right now, they, they're not doing too hot. Uh-oh. Um, no. also like Joey's sad. <laughs> yes, very. And, uh, you know, um, also the Yankees have gone on their ninth, um, losing streak, losing. And nine nine a, game losing streak. Yeah. And in the first time in 41 years of Yankee history, which is crazy, um, they're, also not doing too well, but yeah. it's I, 17 I, games out of first place right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just love how the AL East is completely the opposite of what anybody would have expected. The Orioles. I Let's mean, they have never been the team in the MLB. I'm not even, you know, I have not watched MLB for that long in my life, but I've known that the Orioles are as close as you can get to the, uh, I don't know what team in the, the NBA is not good at all. The Hornets, I guess they never win a championship, never done nothing. Okay, Kobe's face right now, you guys should have saw that. Um, But the (laughs) Orioles, you know, they're at the top of the AL East right now, and so that's something I'm really excited about. I love going for an underdog. The underdog story is always nice, and Colton got something to say. I was reading through this article um, about the MLB playoffs. It was posted an hour ago, so it's up to date, and it's got updated, like, percentages for, like, who's going to win the division. And I would just like to comment, and I'm probably making a mistake, but the Astros currently have a 55.4% chance to win the division, while the Mariners have a 24.5, and the Rangers have a 19.5. So the Rangers wow. are in, wow. got the third highest chances. Presley, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the Rangers, if we could talk about the offseason they had, I know, Colton, you know about some of the people they picked up. They basically bought the division at this point. That's what some people say. You know, the Rangers, if anyone knows... It's one of those teams in Texas that not anyone really supports because they've never been that successful. But now this season, huge moves during the offseason. I want to hear, how do y'all think that played a factor into that? And how did those years of you know not doing so hot give them the cap space to afford that? You know, it's I, I would, I'm, I'm joking mostly when I say bought the division. You know, it's a front office. They, they do what they do to win. And that's that's yeah. the, the goal is to, to get the championships, get the trophies, get the rings. That's the same thing the Astros have done, you know, for the last six years. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's counting, um, <laughs> but, you know, no, no hate towards the the front office there. They're doing their thing, doing their job. And it's honestly it's been exciting to kind of follow a close race. You know, the last few years, the Astros have pretty much sealed the division in like July. And it's yeah. just been the last couple of months have just been, OK, let's see how far they can get ahead. Mm-hmm. But now it's a real competitive thing. And it's it's really good for the sport, really good for the fans. Um you know, baseball is doing so well right now with ticket sales and everything and viewership being through the roof. So it's it's good for the sport. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And how do y'all think the rule changes going into the season has affected the viewership? I mean, the pitching count has changed now. And, the you know, the players have actually some players have said this is a good thing, but some people said it's a bad thing. I want to hear y'all's thoughts, especially Kobe and Colton. Y'all been watching baseball since y'all been in diapers, probably. So I want to hear how has this affected y'all's viewership of the sport? And do you like it more? It's faster, right? It's faster. Yeah. But at first, I wasn't a fan of the rule because, you know, I've, obviously there was going to be a lot of issues with, you know, batters stepping out of the batter's box for a certain amount of time and then obviously pitchers having their little time to get you know their command from their catcher so honestly i didn't think it would work but nowadays it's honestly working the get and the games usually rest last 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 at least about you know a good two hour two and a half hours at least when you know baseball games usually last a good 
you know, three hours, three hours, 30 minutes at the most. But I mean, it's I think it's good. I think it's good. Well, I think it's last. Maybe it could. It kind of depends on uh, how the MLB takes it. But, you know, I'm just waiting for that one that one mistake that could possibly cost the team, especially in the postseason, because obviously they're going to have the rule in the postseason. So, you know, you know, we'll we'll see where where this rule rule leads. Yeah, at first I definitely was a hater of the the pitch clock and changing it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed just sitting in. If a baseball game lasted three and a half hours, it lasted three and a half hours. Yep. Um, but definitely now I've grown to see that it's definitely helping. And like I said, it, it's been very good for the sport. Um, as far as some of the other ones, like the bigger bases, stolen bases have been through the roof. There was talks of Ronald Acuna stealing like 80 bases this year. Yep. I think he's at like he's at 50 or 50, 50 something. <laughs> I don't know exactly, but... It just has made it a lot more exciting. Um, more people are, are willing to, you know, sit in and, and watch a baseball game. He has 58 stolen 58, bases. Okay. So, Dang, close to wow. 60. Good Lord. Yeah, it, I think it's good. Um, you know, minimal disengagements from the pitcher and the batter. He keeps the game moving. Um, and most pitchers, I feel like, have just gotten used to it at this point. You've played 120 games. Um, you know, starting pitchers have had 20, 25 starts at this point. They're all used to it, and it's. I'm sure it's just like it's normal, just like it was before. Yes, and I mean, this season has brought a bunch of good things this way, you know, and with the new rule changes, I believe it's been more fun to watch, in my opinion. Um, someone that's not watched baseball before because I'd rather watch paint dry back in the day because of how slow it was. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's a lot more exciting than golf, and I, I'm just kidding, guys. It's one of the best American pastimes, and it's a really fun sport to watch, you know, but we have to also talk about some, just a small snippet on this, some controversy and some breaking news today. Wander Franco has been removed from, it was the, what team is he playing on again? The right? Rays. The Rays. Yeah, yeah. I almost said the Mariners. He, the shortstop for the Rays, has been removed from the team after some controversy of him and some relations with some individual that is completely a minor. So that has been removed. He's been removed from the league because of that for temporarily, but I believe permanently for that. So, you know, that's some controversy as well. So, I mean, obviously there's been some good things and some controversy as well that it's another league is James Harden. James Harden was fined $100,000 this morning for what he said in China at a basketball camp. He said, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never play for any team Daryl Morey is a part of. I repeat, Daryl Morey is a liar. I will not play for any team he's a part of. This was controversial and very huge. James Harden wanting to leave the Philadelphia 76ers, especially after these claims. People don't know where he's going to go. Is he going to put the fat suit on again like he did when he played for my Rockets? You know, he left the team for that. So, you know, guys, I want to hear what y'all think. Where is he going to go? Where would he go in this league? Where would his spot be? I want him to come back to the Rockets, but maybe that's just me. I would not like him back on the Rockets. No. I think he's going to ruin everything. I like yeah. what Ime is probably going to do this year, so let's not do that. Um, <laughs> I, I know the big team that has been rumored is the Clippers. Uh, he wants That's where he's from, is L.A. area, um, and he wants to you know, go over there and, and play with Paul George and play with Kawhi. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Uh, James Harden, I've, I've honestly lost a lot of respect for him. He just has become complainer city like every <laughs> every season it's something else also he had an opportunity to leave the 76ers this offseason mm-hmm. and he said now nah, i'm gonna pick up my 40 million dollar option and then i'm gonna request a trade like dude you can't have the cake and eat it too like you can get the money and stay or you can you know go pursue it somewhere else but don't pick up an option and then request a trade that's i don't understand it 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, first off, I mean, that's a tough situation for the 76ers front office because, you know, you they've they have had so much happen in the past few years. Obviously, the whole drama with Ben Simmons that was going on with with him. And now, you know, they're dealing with James Harden and his little, you know, pub, uh, public comments. I mean, the, the 76ers have been having tough times, even though they've made the playoffs in the past few, you know, past couple of years. There's just been just off the court drama that need just doesn't need to be you know, involved. And it's unfortunate that, you know, this is happening. And honestly, I don't feel, I don't, I mean, I don't feel bad for James Harden at all. Cause honestly, you know, he's at the point of his career where he is starting to really make a lot of noise in the NBA. And it's, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad to see that it's to see, cause honestly, he's a great, you know, great player. I loved when he performed on the Rockets with, you know, with all those guys. But I mean, now in this stage of his career, he's starting to, you know, kind of, I guess he's in the pick and choose state of his, of his career. Yeah. He's in the pick and choose state, but he should be in the pick and roll state, honestly. But, <laughs> you know, I've had him on my walls for, I just, since as I could remember, I'm a huge Rockets fan. I even has have his pop figure on my desk. I mean, I love this guy, but truthfully, he's coming towards the later state of his career. You know, I mean, and he's still he's not even 30. He's what, 31 now or 30, I think. And 33. So, 33. Wow. Yeah. So that is the later stage of his career. And he doesn't have a championship on his belt. Does he want to be known as someone that cannot perform in the playoffs? He has to try and change this. And he's going to have to understand his role is very different now. He's not that guy that was doing step back jumpers all the time like he was back in 2017, 2018 for the Houston Rockets. He's not an MVP player no more. He has to understand to use his assets as a player, as a passer, as a facilitator. And that could be good. And if he plays on a big three team like Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, I don't know. I don't believe that's the most accountable group. Kawhi Leonard plays like half the games of the year because he just doesn't feel like it. And uh, (laughs) Paul George, man, he is made. He needs to eat his vegetables. Guy is getting really injured out there. But, you know, we got to wish the best for these athletes and their season upcoming. James Harden will hopefully find a spot on a team and maybe get some playoff picture. But we're done with sports talk for now. We got to throw it to Karis Lay for a weather update in San Marcos, Texas. Yes. So the current um, temperature is 89 degrees. It is mostly sunny. The high today is supposed to be 98 degrees and the low is never going to reach this point, but 76. Um, But later today, it seems like it'll be um, in the 90s in the higher end. Um, It's getting a little bit cooler (laughs) if you count this as cool. Yeah, I mean, 90 is a lot cooler than 106, so I will take it, This is very true. I will take it. Um, And then tomorrow looks like partly cloudy. The low is 75, and the high will be 101, (laughs) getting back in those triple digits. Gold. Um, I'm sure everybody is excited for the fall season. Any chance of rain this week? uh, There is no more chance of rain, it looks like. Yeah, that 10 minutes of rain is all we got. So um, water your grass if you have any, or plants. You know, college students mostly have plants, so house plants. But anyways, that is the weather update. Well, thank you, Karis. Yes, water your grass or water your plants because we're not getting any rain this week. But we want to say thank you for tuning in to Bobcat Radio this morning. You can catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 to 1130 a.m. here in Studio C.